Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. And actually founding pastor here. Good to see you. We worship weekly as a church. We do life together on mission during the week and in community out of a primary motivation. I want to be rooted. And therefore, as a result, I want to grow. I want to be rooted in a God-centered life and want to grow and thrive out of that rootedness. There are many places that you and I could root our life. When you think about the roots that you sink your life into, where they draw primary nourishment. My life could be rooted in myself. What I want, what feels good to me only, what I think. That would be one story to tell with my life. My life could be rooted in accumulating as much wealth and trophies and successes and achievements as possible. That's a different story that our life could tell. My life, your life, could be rooted in the family circle. Every decision is only about my nuclear family's comfort, entertainment, and protection. That's a story that a lot of Americans tell. But the story that those of us who gather here weekly, and we're glad if you're joining us today, just so you know, the story that those who gather here weekly want to tell with our lives is a life rooted in God who has revealed himself most clearly through Jesus Christ and makes himself present to us through the Holy Spirit, as we just sang. And this is your desire. It's what brings you here. It's what brings me here week after week. And I want to affirm that desire that you have by speaking God's word over you about it. The first psalm, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, speaks over you. Blessed. All that that word blessed means is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on God's word day and night. That person is like a tree rooted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Uh, the Hebrew word there in verse 3 is usually translated planted. But it's okay. I actually learned the Hebrew here, and I'm accurately translating it myself today as equating equating to the word rooted. It's the same thing. Now, did you hear about the fifth grader in the spelling test? He had to spell the word geometry, and then he had to use the word geometry in a sentence. So he said, okay, I'll use it in a sentence. Gee, I'm a tree. You're welcome. You can amaze all your friends at halftime with your little joke today. I want you to be a tree for a moment. I want you to be like your own self. Gee, I'm a tree. Be a tree for a second. Here's what I want you to do. God's word is speaking to your sanctified imagination. And I want to meditate on it. It says specifically blessing comes when we not just read God's word, but we meditate on it. And I'm going to try that out for just a minute. Would you close your eyes? Would you get still? I'm going to read God's word over you. Get still. And I want you to, as I read this over you, 
begin to imagine yourself as the most desirable version of this tree. You as this tree rooted by streams of water. Psalm 1. Blessed is the person. You're that person. Imagine this is you. Whose delight is in God's word and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree. See yourself. What's the tree? It's coming into focus. Yourself. It's like a tree rooted by streams of water. Would you imagine the stream that you're rooted beside, the tree of your life? Would you imagine now feel your roots sinking into the rich soil, grabbing hold with a firm grip and soaking in the nourishment of the stream that you see there? God's word continues. This tree rooted by streams of water, keep your eyes closed, yields its fruit in season. Imagine now you as a tree in harvest season. What is the gleaming fruit on your branches? Is it apples? Is it acorns, which are just little baby oak trees? Is it oranges? Big, big, healthy grapefruits? Is it gumballs because you think they're cool? What is it? See yourself according to God's possibility word, yielding fruit in a golden light. Just see it. See it. A person's like a tree rooted by streams of water, yields fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. God's word speaks this over you. Keep your eyes closed. Imagine yourself as that tree by the stream. And now imagine it prospering. And here's your final act of the sanctified imagination by God's word. Do a 360-degree drone flyby around yourself as that tree. Imagine it looking as healthy and prosperous as possible. Okay, you can open your eyes. That is God's prophetic word over your future life as blessed. As you live rooted in God, as you live rooted in God's word, those are words of God's prophecy over you. He speaks that possibility, that potentiality of that prospering tree. Now, we could take time. I'm not. And we can meditate on verses 2 and 3, which prophesy that if you or I mostly hang out with trifling fools or mockers, it don't go that way. The tree ends up looking like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. That's not our focus today. But what if I asked you to draw now? So that was your ideal self, your ideal tree self. What if I asked you to be like, gee, I'm a tree again, and draw yourself as you see yourself today as that tree? I thought about giving everybody crayons and doing that, because that would be cool, and in keeping with God's word here. But I wonder how you would draw that tree. Some of you would draw a tiny sapling and be like, man, my life is, I'm young, or, or my faith is very young. I'm like a tiny little sapling, lots of potentiality. wonder where that's going. All you sixth graders, you seventh graders, eighth graders, dude, how cool to imagine what your tree's going to grow into. We all can't wait to see. 
Some of us would, would draw a tree maybe with some disease on part of it. Some of us would draw a tree, but it's not bearing much fruit. We would draw it different ways if it was our actual tree today. That would be a great way to engage with Psalm 1 here. But what you just saw in your mind's eye, if, if you went with me, some of you didn't, that's okay. You were dreaming about beer commercials or something. Uh, but those of you who went with me, what you just saw in your mind's eye, that is God's future for you. If you live rooted from this day forth, as you delight in God through worship, through God's word, and you root yourself in him day and night, that's your future. If we're rooted in the right spot, how good is that? What a gift of God that he offers this future to you and me. When it came time for Jesus to announce he came as the Son of God and the Messiah or the Savior, he gave his first sermon at his hometown place of worship in Nazareth, which was a mountain town like Boone, North Carolina. Basically like Boone to Charlotte was Nazareth to Jerusalem. And guess what? Jesus' first sermon, it was plagiarized. That's right. Jesus straight up read aloud a passage that had been written by the prophet Isaiah 600 years earlier. But he did it openly. He acknowledged the quote. And in this first sermon, Jesus paints a similar picture. He paints the same desire for you and me and says, it's not just your desire to be rooted and grow. It's not just some Old Testament poetic metaphor. My own desire for you is that you be like a firmly rooted tree. Check out Jesus' first sermon. I'm going to show it to you. We'll read it directly out of Isaiah chapter 61 if you're taking notes. Starting with verse 1, and this is quoted by Jesus in Luke chapter 4. I've given you that reference there. Here's Jesus. He stands up, opens up the scroll, Isaiah 61. I don't know how long. It probably took a long time to be like the whole scroll of the Old Testament. Man, hold on, everybody. Everybody stand and greet one another while I get to that place in the scroll, Isaiah 61. And then he goes. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And right about this moment, we know in Jesus' first sermon, the congregation erupted in conversation with one another. They were rude to the preacher. This happened to me one time. We were a church plant in the YMCA up between Davidson and Cornelius. That's where we were before God provided this great building for us to worship in. And, and there was this one sermon on a Sunday morning in the Y when I accidentally used a crude phrase. JT, you're, I'm sure you were there. Like it was a really crude phrase. But I didn't mean to. And it wasn't a phrase I was familiar with. And so I didn't even know I said it. So I just kept on preaching but the whole congregation is looking at each other like, what did that young pastor with awesome hair back then, what did he just, what did he just say? Or can I, I'm, am I, should I just stand up and walk out of here? And they're all talking among each other. I'm not going to tell you what I said. And it's like that with Jesus right here. Because as soon as Jesus started reading this passage and personalized it to himself and said, the Lord has anointed me, they all knew that the prophet Isaiah wrote chapter 61 to be the words personified of the coming Messiah. And they knew Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah in this moment. They're like, oh, snap. He done lost his mind. 
boy who grew up here. But Jesus keeps going, even though they're talking. Verses 2 and 3. To, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I'm here to comfort all who mourn. Are you mourning? Jesus says, he's your comfort. I, I'm here to provide for those who grieve. What are you grieving? The question is not, do you grieve or not? The question is, what are you grieving now? This world is full of loss because things move on and things change. What are you grieving now? Jesus says, hey, I'm the one to provide for you in your loss. He says, I'm here to bestow on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Which of you feel unloved, unliked, ordinary, plain? Jesus has a crown of beauty just for you if you go to him. He says, I've came to bring the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Do you wrestle with anxiety, depression, even despair? Jesus offers, he says, a garment of praise, like a cloak, like a Harry Potter invisibility cloak. that It can just cover you, man, of praise, peace, and thankfulness to go along with your salvation. And we're all like, yeah, Jesus, your first sermon, that's why I'm a Christian. Or if you're looking into the Christian faith, you're like, if that's true, that's why I'm looking into the Christian faith, because I believe and hope that you alone, Jesus, as Messiah, you can give us this and more. Through the power of your cross and resurrection, we're like, yes. And then Jesus finishes his first sermon with a punchline, and it's another imaginative picture along the lines of Psalm 1 of what you will look like if you allow Jesus to be your Savior and leader in all the ways that he just said and more. And again, he's plagiarizing Isaiah in a good way. Look, look, at, look at the verbal picture Jesus paints of his will for you. Let's read this out loud together. It's Isaiah 61, verse 3. It's also in Luke 4. Let's all say this aloud. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's who Jesus sees you as. That's his future for you as you rest in him, as you're rooted in him. Will you, I'm going to do this again. Would you be, gee, I'm a tree again. Would you close your eyes? And if you need to, say, gee, I'm a tree. Get back to that tree of your own self. The ideal future painted in Psalm 1. And imagine, imagine with yourself again. Now hear Jesus say to you as that tree, you will be an oak of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of his splendor. Now would you morph your tree into an oak? I don't know what it was before. Morph your tree, your sanctified imagination, into an oak of righteousness. And children in the room, teenagers, adults, now imagine what you know of whatever God's splendor is. Just imagine God's splendor for a moment with your eyes closed. Maybe you imagine colors that represent God's splendor. Maybe you imagine images of God's character that makes God splendorous. Just imagine pictures, images, colors, feelings of God's splendor. Now, got it? Imagine it? 
God's splendor. Now let Jesus enhance your tree. Hang those pictures on your image of yourself as that oak tree. Imagine these pictures of God's splendor or these colors. Now hang them on the tree in your imagination. Your oak of righteousness, which Jesus says is a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What does that look like for you as an oak tree? Does it look like strength? Does it look like colors and sparkles? Does it just look like richness of foliage or fruit? Maybe you are imagining yourself as an oak of righteousness, dis- righteousness displaying God's splendor. Maybe for you it looks like something no one's ever seen before. It's beautiful. Now you can open your eyes. Jesus tells us in his first sermon, if we root ourselves beside him like a stream, we'll be like a rooted, fruitful tree that doesn't wither but prospers, and that all that Jesus came to give you, freedom, forgiveness, praise instead of despair, thankfulness, is to root you in his gospel and grow you into an oak of righteousness whose life and leaves reflect the splendor of God in a golden light. How beautiful. I want to be rooted that way. I want to grow up that way. I want that, Lord. Great, Jesus, I'm down. Bring it. I believe you, Jesus. Rooting my life in anything but you is a lesser source of life. The rings of my tree will be slimmer, less fruitful. I want to root in you, Jesus, and grow into that. But I have a, I have a question. How, Jesus, how do I grow spiritually? That's my question. I want that image. And friends, I hope you got it. I hope it's in there as your aspiration. I want that image, but how do I grow spiritually? Well, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Here it is. I'll put it on screen. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Yo, night and day, a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Look carefully here. Verse 27, it says again, night and day, the man scatters the seed. And night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up or watches the Super Bowl or eats nachos or eats vegetables, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Hmm. So, hey, Jesus, how do I grow spiritually? Well, first of all, he's told us something. You're not going to know how. But let me tell you how to get in the place where it will happen. So let me just summarize this, this teaching of Jesus for you. Jesus is teaching that I have a part and God has a part in my spiritual growth into an oak of righteousness. My part, 
root my seed in the right soil. Trust the process. God's part, sprout, grow, ripen. Who's doing all the work? God is, yeah. And, and let me give you the Cliff's Notes version that maybe you can remember. I root and God grows. Would you repeat that with me? I root, God grows. I root, God grows. Let me be clear, this is what Jesus taught. He's like the farmer, scatters the seed on the ground, and then he goes about his life, and he sleeps, and he gets up, and he doesn't know how, but all by itself. The soil he rooted the seed in produces grain. And that's what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like in your life and in my life. I root in the right soil, and God grows me into an oak of righteousness. Hey, this is cool. Theologians in the room, salvation and sanctification are by grace through faith. Can I get an amen? <laughs> isn't that good news, man? Spiritual growth isn't like, okay, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to grow. <laughs> Jesus says, you don't know how to grow. <laughs> you just plant your seed in the right soil, God does the work. Just like in salvation, God does the work. Jesus' finished work on the cross is what makes us a child of God. We just put our faith, we root our faith in him. Same way to grow spiritually in an oak of righteousness. We root in him, and he does the work. Hey, man, that is good news to some of us. This is Grace, grace, God's, all that God wants for you and me in salvation, he gives by grace through Jesus. All that God wants for you and me in spiritual growth, he gives by grace. We just root and he grows. Here's what I know. God's faithful. He'll always do his part. So there's just one variable in the equation. Where will I root? How will I root? That's the only variable. And that's what this series, the rest of this series, is about. Where do I root my seed to let God do his work of growing me? How do I do that? And because it's Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to take a halftime of the sermon. And I'm going to invite you to do something. I got, already got you to imagine, now I'm going to get you to do something. One person representing each household here. If you're a one-person household, that's you. If you're a, person, a household of two or more, just pick somebody. And as, as these guys sing this beautiful song over us, just receive it, okay? Stay in your attitude of meditating on God's word that you've heard so far. But just one of you for each household move to one of these stations. We've got some up front got some around up in the balcony and I want you to get this cup of peat P-E-A-T fertile soil and then I want you to pick up one or two seeds out of a little place and plant them in there's a little place for you to do it in this this watered peat and return to your seat as you're sung over and then we'll come back for the third quarter sermon. Just when you're ready, one of you just move from each household.
quietly, please. If you would do so quietly, that would help everyone. Quietly. We chose the spot. We took the hole. We laid the maples in the ground to have them hold as autumn falls to winter sleep. We pray that somehow in the spring the roots grow deep. So many years from now, long after we are gone, these trees will spread their branches out and bless the dawn. Thank you, Vaden. Thank you, Harrison. Now, this will represent in each of our households, put it on a, 
a, a sunny window, keep it watered. And in the month of this series, we don't have time to grow an oak of righteousness. That's what God's doing in you. But if you take care of it, we will grow a, <clears throat> a pretty flower even here in the heart of winter. And let that be a prayer, as you just said it right there on your windowsill. Let it be your prayer. Lord, I'm, I'm rooting myself in you. I'll do the rooting. You do the growing. And we have four weeks in this series, and this is week one. And our first subject of where to root our, our seed is rooted in worship and word. We've talked about the fact that God grows us spiritually when we root the seed of our life, our soil, our spirit in him. And for the month of February, we're going to look at, in the Bible, at the four main soils or environments or fertilizers, however you want to call it, of discipleship. So that when we do our part and root ourselves there, God does God's part and grows us spiritually. At Lake Forest, here's what we know about the church. I've been a pastor in a church for a long time. Here's what I know. The church doesn't grow anybody spiritually. I can't do it. I've tried really hard. I can't do it for myself. What the church does is we create hothouse environments, greenhouse environments, in which we then root ourselves and God the Holy Spirit grows us over time. And these discipleship environments can be summarized in four ways that, that we do frequently here at Lake Forest. And today, I just want to talk about the first one. And we call it Discover here at Lake Forest. And usually when I talk about this first environment in which we root ourselves and let God grow us of discovery, I usually emphasize what Psalm 1 emphasizes about the healthy tree, being rooted in discovering God's Word. Together in, in worship like this, Weekly, learning God's word in a smaller group and learning to learn God's word alone. And that's what Psalm 1 says very clearly, roots us as a tree that flourishes beside the stream. But today, for our last few minutes, the fourth quarter of our sermon, don't worry, it's the fourth quarter, not the third quarter, because we're going to worship a little bit over this. I want to teach about the other aspect of discovery, which is being rooted in weekly worship. Like, how come we do this? What, is, is this valuable, what we do when we come together? specifically with the church. What, what are you here on earth for? Is a good question. What do we exist as a community for? Why do we do this every week? We cram too many cars in too few spaces. We care for other people's kids. We make buckets of coffee. And we all jam in this room every week three times a Sunday, 9.30, 11.05, and 5 p.m. Because the first purpose for which God has brought us together as a community is to worship God. That's why we exist on earth. The first purpose of a human being and of the church is to worship God. I was listening to a podcast while golfing yesterday. I didn't play well. And the science of psychology, the, the science of psychology has actually concluded it is most natural and normal for a human being to worship a deity. They've concluded that atheism is actually discordant with normal human psychology. That's what atheist psychologists have concluded. Theologians tells us that the human heart will worship. It does worship every human heart. The seed of a person is going to root and worship somewhere. And the question is not if each person in this room or online will worship. The question is who or what will we root our worship in? And the God who has created us and come to us through Jesus to reveal himself invites us to root our seed, a little seed that will be on your windowsill, 
in worship of the Trinity every seven days. Psalm 106, verse 47 says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. The us is plural. Save and gather this community. It's not an individual deal. Faith in Jesus is not an individual sport. That's an oxymoron. You can't do it that way. And, and, And he says, God saves us and gathers us in community with representatives from the nations. We have some cool, interesting people from different nations in this congregation. You may not even know that. We have a lot of South Americans who worship here. There are some folks who are originally from Africa who worship here. Some Europeans. It's super cool. I just experienced worship in Arabic this month in Egypt. The month before, I experienced worship in Mandarin in Shanghai, China. That was super cool. Why does God save and gather us from among the nations, not just me? For one primary purpose, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise, O God. And so I'm not here today to tell you what you should do, what you ought to do, what you must do. I'm just telling you what is. The Westminster Confession of Faith is an expression of Christian doctrine that is the foundation of what our church believes the Bible teaches and our denomination as well. And its most famous line is the first line. Westminster Confession of Faith written in 1647. Humankind's chief end is to worship God and enjoy Him forever. Let me put that on the screen for you. The first purpose of the church and of every human being is to celebrate the presence of God, the love of God, the purpose of God. And let me use the metaphor of a party. Gathered worship, when we gather every Sunday for an hour and five minutes-ish, technically called corporate worship because it's more than just an individual, we could call this a party, celebrating the God who made us. And our job as a church is to bring searching people into a lifelong worship of Jesus. And if you and I understand this, what a privilege. I get to root myself in the party life. I'm calling others to join the party. Come party with me. God loves you so much. He created you for the highest possible joy to be delighting in him and enjoying him forever at a party of worship. And there's a corollary. If worship is a party, worship is not my party. It's not about me. Weekly worship roots me in discovery of who God is. And so to use the metaphor, let me put this on screen, worship is not my party. And to use the metaphor party for worship, we must first understand it's not my party. I have a brother named Matt. He's five years younger than me. And every year for his birthday when we were growing up, he asked for a carrot cake. I hate carrot cake. Why why put a, a, a a healthy vegetable in the middle of an unhealthy celebratory cholesterol fest that is a cake? But Matt wanted carrot cake. Okay, Matt. My parents would be like, calm down. It's Matt's party, so it's his choice of cake. It's not about you today, little Mikey. Eat some carrot cake. A life rooted in worship is God-centered celebration. It's not about me. We can't have a consumer or self-oriented mentality and honor God. So the purpose of weekly, every seven-day worship is not to have a great experience for me. Hey, man, did did you get something out of worship today? Was it good? Did it make you cry a little bit? Like, we do our best for it to be good. On drums today was one of Huntersville's finest. Police officer, he only plays drums barefoot. That's pretty cool. Uh, Over here is Vietnam's best uh, uh, electric guitar player in history. 
and he's always got Yoda up here with him, if you can find it. And uh, one of our female singers today was at one point in the most popular Christian band in the nation of Canada for some years. Happens to be a ministry partner here, uses her gifts here. We do our best, like for it to be engaging and humane so that we find pleasure in it. But in the end, it's about was God pleased with my words and my heart toward him? Did I put him on the throne of my life again? Did I sit here and reroot my spirit? Because during the week, some roots got pulled up, bro. This is like, and it started just wandering over to root into something else. Did I reroot in a way that pleased the Most High God? And the scriptures teach that we need this every seven days with others. Or we forget who God is, we forget who we are. That's why it's a seven-day rhythm. What a gift we give to one another to do this. Let's pray. And then we're going to worship. Heavenly Father, thank you that we get to gather here weekly. Help us to be a community that roots ourselves first and foremost in a life of worship. And Lord, that can be this generic thing. And God, we confess that worship feels like this undefined thing. And I know my whole life is supposed to be worship. God, help us to just be specific and be here every seven days with our friends and re-root ourselves in you. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And right now, Lord Jesus, help us to stand and play out the definition of worship that we've used at Lake Forest. That we are receiving your love and responding back in love to you, full-hearted, full-throated, regardless of vocal ability. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. We're responding.